Hello and welcome to the Research Ops podcast, an initiative of the Research Ops community. I'm your host for today, Brigitte Metzler. I'm one of the co-chairs of this huge global volunteer-run community. As always, I'm assuming if you're listening, then you might know a little bit about Research Ops, the mechanisms and processes that set user research in motion. If you'd like to know more about Research Ops, you can find us at our website, researchops.community or on our Medium publications in English, French, German, and Portuguese. Follow us at Team Reops on Twitter, find the group on LinkedIn, and join in the conversation at hashtag ResearchOps. We're recording a special series of the ResearchOps podcast in preparation for ReopsConf, a partnership between learners and the ResearchOps community. The conference is on in New York City, Wednesday, June the 8th. Today, we'll be speaking with Jake Burkhart about impact. As research teams aggregate and synthesize research within research repositories, they eventually have to confront the reality that just because more insights available, they're not guaranteed to have an impact on product. Some product people will become repository lead users, logging in from remote offices to stay connected to info about the people they're striving to serve. However, many decision makers in evolving product organizations will become distant from past research studies, and they'll require new touch points with old insights in order to shift their thinking and their roadmaps. At ReopsConf, Jake will be talking about how research operations can overcome common barriers on the pathway from accumulated insights to launched advancements. I have been wanting to speak to Jake about this for so long. Today's podcast was fantastic. So let's find out about Jake. Who is he? So Jake writes about research operations and research repositories at integratingresearch.com. Previously, Jake spent six years as a principal researcher and principal product manager at Amazon, where he owned insight initiatives in Amazon's retail and Alexa divisions. He's passionate about evolving how tech companies plan in order to better incorporate known insights into their processes. Jake is so excited to share some learning and new ideas on the topic of moving insights forward in product development over the long haul. When we talk about scaling the impact of the craft, we have to be talking about scaling the impact of the insights from the research that we had, we've already done. And so Jake is going to talk about that today. I hope you enjoy the show. So welcome, Jake, to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming along. I have been wanting to talk to you for so long. Um, yeah, so please introduce yourself. Well, likewise, I'm so happy to be here, uh, so happy to be involved with this research operations conference, and I'm excited to speak with you today. So um, to give you a bit of background on me, I, I think I can speak to um, life before research operations and, <laughs> and after research operations. Um, yeah. You know, I got started in research and design for tech products. Um, in dot-com after studying psychology and human-centered design. I moved from Seattle across the country to Boston to work at a consultancy without really knowing what a consultancy what was. was do. Yeah. And <laughs> ended up working on all sorts of tools for specialized work, which kind of lined up with the human-computer action training of, of that time that I was really immersed in and um, ended up working on Wall Street, of all things, um, on trading applications. And those sort of early projects set the mold for the sort of the first batch of my work, um, which is all 
tools for very specialized work and doing, you know, at the time, the barrier to entry for UX was much lower, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, people getting started today, I have such empathy for them. Mm. And, you know, the doors were much wider open at the time. Mm. And I ended up doing all sorts of work. So I was sort of a generalist from the start, uh, doing research design, all the way into sort of vision and road mapping of product management. Yeah. And I worked on in small consulting offices for uh, on tools in a similar mold, like for right. scientists, for engineers, um, you know, a solar power plant. Um, uh, at one yeah, various kinds of complicated work, a, a jet cockpit. And, you know, in that process, really excited about the problem finding part. I've always really loved research and how it can translate into things, uh, you know, succinct problems that could be tackled yeah. in uh, the product process. And, but I got tired of throwing deliverables over the wall, you know, yeah. um, and this very waterfall mindset um, that often happens in consulting, not every time, but a lot of the time. And mm -hmm. I wanted to go in house and I had a conversation with the person who had become my manager, sort of a coffee conversation before even interviewing at Amazon. Um, and I pitched the idea of not working as a principal researcher, but not doing primary research um, to make more of existing research, which in 2013 was a bit of a harebrained idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, after spending so much time kind of um, disconnected from impact, I wanted to get into that problem finding mindset and get as yeah. close to kind of iterative uh, product development as possible. Uh -huh. And so that's what I did. Um, yeah. You know, I got started at Amazon and did a huge meta-analysis across a ton of existing research from this world-class research team and um, ended up putting it up in very visible spaces on walls, um, kind of really highlighting a range of customer needs and things that can be done. Uh -huh. And uh, top-level leadership of the company saw it and wanted to build something out of it. So right from the start, we had like this uh, real interest. And... I love, I love that, um, that whole thing of, you know, like you're, uh, you're doing ops before you know it's even ops. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you and I have both kind of um, started in the same place, which was actually that meta-analysis of all of the research. Mm -hmm. So I guess we started at scaling the impact of the craft without even knowing what we were, you know, that they would later become a whole profession about this whole Absolutely, thing. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize, um, A, I was stumbling into my accidental profession and I, I mm -hmm. certainly wish, you know, I get so much out of what the community has shared in all these diverse experiences. You know, I spent a lot of the last year taking them in and, um, you know, at the time we were kind of stumbling a little bit, um, more than a little. It must um, have been um, really lovely to see that tweet from Kate to say, you know, Hey, I'm doing this thing, and it's yes. it's got this name. <laughs> absolutely, it resonates, but, doesn't it? But absolutely. But at the time, you know, the team I was on, we launched a research repository, Insight Hub. You know, based on this project, um, without really knowing what that meant, and it went through a variety of evolution. So I spent a couple of years doing that. I, I took a year off um, with my daughter when she was a toddler. She's now nine. And then I went back to work on the same thing, but as a product manager right. to say, like, here's this information product that we're developing as a community. Mm -hmm. And um, how can we integrate it more into planning practice, which is, you know, the focus of my current work and what I'll be talking about 
at the research ops conference. And yeah. I did that for a couple of years. We tried all sorts of things. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about how, it, what large organizations, you know, I, mm-hmm. the thing I'm proud about is it drove experimentation in a lot of different places in this giant organization. And it informed a lot of other experiments in flight and kind of shaped them. And um, in the end, you know, a lot of other places wanted to, within the Amazon, wanted to do something similar. Mm-hmm. I jumped over and did something um, in Alexa for a couple of years, yeah. where, again, an amazing community of researchers, and we sort of expanded the charter from UX research to research scientists and various types of insight generators, market researchers, yeah. and, you know, did big meta-analyses to, on primary problems and created seed content and standards and launched this other thing and got it rolling. And I think the thing that was exciting there was finding new ways to push repository content and new kinds of reporting, which I'll be talking about um, in my research ops talk. And um, in the last year, you know, it's been a bit of a detour. I, I, you know, like a lot of people during COVID-19, I left Amazon at the end of 2020 and I've been focused on elder care and caring for my family and doing some, you know, consuming all this great research operations content that's out there that the community's sharing and kind of rethinking a lot of things and doing some writing. Um, so, and we met through that process. We did, yeah. <laughs> I've been so enjoying uh, your writing. It's just, um, it's always really wonderful to, to read something that, is you know basically sets out exactly what's in your head but sets it up nice and clearly (laughs) it's such a relief (laughs) just the same when i found your articles oh needles and haystacks yes that's it exactly Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally and so um you know in in your talk you are hinting towards some of the problems that can happen you know that i know there's that whole idea of um insights repositories or or uh you know, research libraries is kind of where documents go to die. Um, and that that clearly hasn't happened for you. Are you able to talk me through a little bit about, um, you know, how did you how did you avoid that pitfall and, and that problem? It's a great question. And, you know, I think there, there's been learnings and strategies that worked and things that, um, you know, I can't say that some things didn't go in there and die. You know, it, it's it's very difficult across the board, especially in big, complex organizations with a lot of content coming in to push um, on everything. I think one of the first lessons and, um, you know, I'll talk about this in the talk is you take these reports and you have to digest them into something that's at the insight level, whether that's a spreadsheet or a fancy repository. And then one of the big learnings is just you can't push everything. You know, not everything could make it out into the world. And um, just like designers and product people and engineers are constantly in this process of uh, prioritizing what they do and getting down to what they see as the essence, researchers have a real opportunity to do the same. And um, it could be a bit nerve wracking um, to take this, you know, I've done it across thousands of insights a couple of times. And it's a huge opportunity to build a community point of view um, about how to better serve, you know, the people that an organization is trying to serve and sort of the cream of the crop across this. So I think that there's a piece of, um, you can't push everything. So research repositories can be this container that gets overwhelming. And then, um, how do we take it, get narrowed down to a set? I think that's one ingredient, um, in answer to your question. And 
then from there, you know, there's what I'll be talking about in the talk is there's common barriers along the way to for that cream of the crop of insights to getting from, you know, documented insight to something launched. Mm -hmm. And there's just, you know, things like um, the common refrain of, oh, there's not enough evidence and yeah. kind of, which is often, you know, as much about perception as it is about the actual content and, um, you know, or the insight isn't your usefully articulated for product. Like, you know, um, a customer need doesn't float out of the air and into a perfect wording. It's the intersection <laughs> of a observation and what makes sense for the organization. So yeah in kind of various steps along the way. Um, and, you know, there's a million strategies within there, but I do think that you're exactly right in saying that it, we can make these beautiful repositories and pick up the cutting room floor of all the stuff that was left behind from the lifetime of a study. You know, a researcher does mm -hmm. some a, a great project, it has great impact, but you take a highlighter to the report and there's huge swaths of it that could do a lot more for people. Yeah. Um, and you could pick that up and put it in a repository and you'll get the next level of impact, which is there will be lead users. You know, there will be people that really take to it and that's awesome. But to get to the point where you're fulfilling the promise of, you know, all of these great insights and elevating the community to where they're not just a, informing but they're um seen as integral you know it doesn't happen overnight you know it's a lot of small steps mm -hmm. and um it's about pushing out from the repository it turns mm -hmm. out that you know getting all that content in there is about preparing for moments when it will be useful and identifying those moments yeah and that can be such a challenge because uh you know the the person who's feeling all the pain is is usually the researcher or the librarian mm -hmm you know, depending on your organization and uh, and the people who are going to benefit are not in the room mm -hmm. at that moment. And and so how do you how do you get that buy-in? Is that is that by having someone whose responsibility is to be persistent until it gets to that point? I think there's a lot of different ways. I mean, it, it, so much of this is very culturally dependent, but, you know, as with all research ops stuff, it, there has to be some very senior level buy-in to make these things work. If it's very difficult to push from the bottom without um, authority of any yeah. kind, right? Um, yeah. And so, you know, in a research ops landscape, when you look at that, to your point, when I saw the tweet and I clicked on the link and I saw the giant map of all things research ops, you know, <laughs> this is amazing uh, landscape, you know, to cover those things you need appropriate staffing, which takes leadership buy-in. And a lot of those things are beyond the scope of what individual researchers can do, especially as you like bridge into product impact, you have to have all these sorts of collaborations. So I think it, it's about researching what, uh, how planning works in your organization and not just having a repository and making it available at those planning milestones, but designing the approach for making a repository to fit those moments. So yeah. it, those are the requirements, not just the researchers world and what researchers want for findability, just to state the obvious. And everybody talks about this, but it's easier said than done, right? Um, totally, yeah. And uh, I think so much of it is, you know, making things 
um, avail once you have that set of knowledge, you can present it on a plate, you know, if, if, if you can find the right moments. And so, mm -hmm. you know, in some cases, it's a big yearly planning cycle. In other cases, it's a team that has, you know, monthly meetings to plan the next set of milestones, whatever it might be. Um, you know, a lot of researchers are already involved in those processes at the study by study level. A repository can be a huge enabler for those things. Um, and with leadership buy-in, you can make that sort of input a slot to fill, you know, something that a, a part of the process, and it's not research ops process, it's product ops process, it's design ops process, you know, that's where these things go from individual one-on-one -on -one sort of one-off battles over, or, you know, battles, the wrong word, struggles over yes. getting stuff done to how can we prime the pump with teams and create, change their process a little bit so that yeah. they're picking up the content of the repository. Yeah, I think the last podcast we just published actually uh, was Caro Moggins. And there was there were a couple of moments, that, there was one where she kind of blew my mind and one where I blew her mind. Where, <laughs> because, you know, I said to her, you know, research ops is about, is about being a product owner of multiple products. You're mm -hmm. building multiple products. And yeah, I think she hadn't thought about it like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm tilting it, my head as well. That's, yeah, that's a great way to think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you've got all the products across the whole research life cycle. So um, mm -hmm. that insights repository and that planning for for planning, as you say, mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. is uh, you know, you're designing for a different user. You've got the researchers who are thinking that they're the only user, but actually what they want is to get that research out to the people who are consuming that research. Mm -hmm. and, and so those users are, as you're saying, they're the people who are doing planning and um, getting ready for what the next quarter or the next year is gonna look like. Um, and so in order to, it feels as though we're talking about storytelling and that's kind of mm -hmm. my, my next part of my journey. So I'd love to hear from you, but how do you, do you need a person to tell that story or like, do you have your own insights team? Is that what the ideal world looks like in Jake's world, having an insights team next to the, the repository? It, yeah, it's a great question. The, I think about it in terms of integrating content. All, there's all sorts of work you can do. And this is to your point, you know, it's a bit of the researcher's point of view but you're integrating it in order to integrate into planning. Getting the content together itself is no small task. You know, in thinking to my own experience, there have been teams that have wholesale changed how they work, research teams, in order to really leverage deeply um, a repository tool. And then other cases where, despite the best intentions or the, you know, the, the larger context makes that difficult. So there can be staffing to make sure that content gets into a repository space in a useful way. I think that that's something that's really different across organizations. I, I see huge value in researchers doing a little bit less research and changing how they work and spending more time activating. I think there's dangers and kind of pushing too much into operational roles. I, I like the idea of researchers doing as much as they can, but also acknowledge that that's not always a reality. And you know, being a researcher is a super difficult job. Um, so staffing there, I think to your storytelling part and the, to me, it kind of speaks to the second half of how I commonly think about these things that is just then how do we integrate this into plans, which is, you know, we have to overcome these barriers along the way and tell a story of what might be that this is enough evidence that this is the right problem that this is, um, 
you know, something, uh, some ideas for how we might experiment around it and that this is when we should do that and that this is more important than other things. I think that, you know, that's a, that's the constant battle is where do things fall? Um, you know, working in technology, there's a range of different motivations that people have when they go to prioritize their list of things to build everything from, you know, I'm only going to be here another year and I want to launch that cool thing to, you know, um, I'm, I want to kick off some things that I saw in those videos from the usability study and everything in between. So, you know, bridging into that and staffing wise, I've always worked in very lean environments. I think that that's been part of the fun of learning from the broader community is everybody is running lean, but how lean, you know, and of the small pool of operations or resources that they, that a, even a big company gets, I think, you know, some bigger companies have a lot of resources on the front stream around recruiting and things, but on the downstream part, less so, you know, what's the right mix of disciplines and, um, you know, effort. It's, it's, I think it's really culturally dependent and not, you know, the, I think the challenge is, is you need the, the skill sets around understanding the set of information and all those things, but there's also, as you are bridging into product, um, and design, there's the, the, the skill sets that are bridging into those things as well. So I think in some ways it's about tying into, uh, if an organization has strong discipline structures, not just um, business units, where kind of various staff are in, encapsulated, it's leaning on those strong discipline structures to pick up some of the work. It's like, it's at this boundary where it's unclear what the mm -hmm. best mix is. And certainly when product and design get more, invest more effort, just like in a research study, an individual mm -hmm. research study, the more involvement you get, the more likely good things are to happen. Yeah. Same thing when you're activating a big set of insights. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And can you speak to me about like, have you ever experienced where, you know, you've done that work or you're doing that work, but you can't get that buy-in? How does that look and feel and how might you sort of overcome that barrier? Yeah, it's, um, it's a great question. And there are, you know, there's always going to be some frustrations because, you know, especially if you're coming from a research background and, and trying to influence product, you know, you've watched video, you've been in the sessions, you, you know, you have a sense of what is priority and, you know, you develop a point of view if you've stack ranked that list to get to the cream of the crop. But, um, you know, there's so many factors that go into whether something actually sees the light of day. And so part of it is there's always more. If you run into a dead end, doesn't mean that it goes away forever. I mean, I think a good thing about a repository is that it keeps um, these things around. You know, you can always try it the next cycle. This is not a short game. This is a very long game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've certainly experienced some, um, frustrations around that stuff. And, you know, even when you get experiments run high, heavy quant data may not change people's minds. Um, yeah. you can't win them all, but the yeah. point is, is it's portfolio thinking. A lot of this is, um, you know, uh, we take a pool of research studies and different disciplines and we pull it together. And then out of that, what's our smaller portfolio. And then what can we get done with this portfolio? You have, I think it's hard to choose where to, do you keep butting your head up against it? Is it really the most important thing? Mm -hmm. um, or is it better just to move on to a team that's more receptive and picking up the work better? I think mm -hmm. there's a balance to strike there. Yeah. 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 Is there 
anything that you want to that you wanted to talk about in in terms of how does it work when it's really good when it's firing <laughs> <laughs> what does that look like where are we aiming to <laughs> <laughs> oh that's such a great question yeah it's like in the end i think there's a lot of value in and recognizing those cases where it's really firing yeah. and shouting loudly about them and trying to get others to emulate it, right? So you can, to your earlier question, there's sort of like the butting up against problems and then there's trying to amplify and grow successes into norms. Cause a lot of this is about changing the culture of planning. Yeah. Um, and so when it's firing on, um, on every level, you know, there's great research in a space for, let's take a particular product team because, you know, often action happens at the level of a product team. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are invested, they, they have an understanding of what research offers. They've seen the value that it has delivered in terms of getting to outcomes, the kinds of outcomes that they like, whether that's in other teams or their own team. They, um, are mapping research to the ideas that they have in order to think bigger about them. In my case, I really are, I think that one of the most valuable things about repositories is citation and being able to link directly to research. Like yeah, they are filling in the blanks to say, I'm doing this because of this. And I'm also thinking about this and that's right. traceable impact for researchers. And they're priming, you know, they're coming up with new ideas based on um, research. I mean, I think that's the case that every researcher wants to see is not just informing the roadmap items that are already there. Yeah. But the ideal space is, um, you know, they're taking time to digest research content and generate new ideas. And how how would they become aware of these things? How do they, um, you know, there is self service, or maybe it was handed to them on a plate. In my mm -hmm. case, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of mapping things and work collaborating with specific teams to get the the situation going and then right. you know before long and it's not every team but the ones that you want to hold up there's a real virtual virtuous cycle of them um seeing the research coming up with ideas getting value out of it and, and they want to do more of it i see yeah okay fantastic that's what we're looking for it's where we're trying to get to right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love it uh it's, it's really great to hear how you know the different ways that you've kind of um evangelize the use of of, uh, mm. of that research to be able to scale that that impact mm -hmm. so what might people learn if they come to reapscon from your talk okay well you know i think we've talked through some of the the points just in our conversation but just to mm. kind of summarize and put a wrapper around it you know there's no substitute for impact from a great research study and the impact that happens in the time frame of a study but there's always things that are left behind. You know, we were talking about this cutting room floor and, you know, how repositories can sort of become the really well-organized new cutting room floor. And so, um, you know, how do we kind of take a step back, look at what we have and think about the common barriers along the way from an insight to product impact and think about new operations to kind of move things along. And it's not cookie cutter. I can't give you a spreadsheet to say, you know, this is yeah. the method. But it's areas <laughs> that, um, you know, folks could invest in. And yeah. if folks already have a repository in place, you know, I've, I've talked to quite a few people who, you know, they, they get to the point where they've launched something and then they're wondering why more isn't happening with it. You know, this yeah. is, this is for you. And then <laughs> if you don't have a repository in place, but, you know, so many people I talk to are interested in them and, yeah. you know, it's on the list, somehow it's become 
um, you know, UXers love a best practice and it's in the, the best practice list. Uh, it is, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so for those folks, it's stepping back and thinking about what of these things can I do now long before I have a repository tool in place and how will doing this work of kind of picking up some existing insights and trying to march them forward, yeah. how will that um, change how we think about what an ideal repository is in the first place? Yeah. Um, it, it may be in the tools where planning is already happening rather than some distinct fancy research tool, for example. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm loving, as a researcher, I'm loving the idea of the cutting room floor. Um, you know, I'm, I'm being very slowly doing my PhD and I've got this document, mm. which is basically where all my babies are that I can't put into my thesis, <laughs> but they're like all the bits that I really want. Um, <laughs> It's just, yeah. occurred, it's just occurred to me, like I've never had this thought before, but you could, in a sense, there could be that rounding up of all of your babies as a researcher and yes. giving them a space to exist. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's the, the director's cut of your PhD thesis. It's the totally. long version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm sure, you know, every researcher has um, that gold when you're doing a research project and often it's very targeted towards a particular product or a thing that you're doing mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and of course there are always going to be all these other things that are completely irrelevant to that project oh, that's where the magic is right yeah is absolutely being able to give a home to that <laughs> yeah and you know the the commissioning team or the team that a researcher is working with may have interest in a very specific thing but you'd you know, to your point, you find findings on many other topics or you do, you know, big generative studies could have payoffs like this for years where, you know, there are homes for all of those insights once they're kind of um, put in a repository and ranked and they can get routed to teams. I mean, for me, the most valuable metadata in a repository is a list of teams um, or like team-like topics where you can point people to their filter. Yeah. that says, oh, and you can push reports of their filter outward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love it. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I could probably talk to you all day uh, about it, but I'm sure it wouldn't be as exciting for everyone else. We could totally know that about <laughs> metadata. Um, so we continued. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, uh, actually, no, I'm just going to ask you one because this is, this is killing me right now I have not figured this one out mm. maybe you've got some answers for me in an insights repository um, mm -hmm. you know how do you make the insight or the challenge or the pain point you know something that is discoverable or findable like if you've got a whole bunch of free text how are you making that discoverable sorry title... to put you on the spot no not at all <laughs> <laughs> I I think titles are the most important part of an insight and to your earlier question about humming, you know, when this is all really humming, how does it work well? Um, it, I got to the point where I'd be reviewing lists of insights with folks and they wouldn't even be digging. It's kind of, it's mortifying to a researcher because they wouldn't even want to know all the details. They got enough from the title. And if they agreed with it, and if, if it, or if it, you know, there's different cases where people want to drill in and see more, but a lot of the time, so I think that getting back to, and I actually have it in the talk, is title description standards, ways of describing insights mm -hmm. in common ways so that when you're looking across a set, even though it comes from different people, yeah. um, and I've had researchers tell me that those standards made their reporting better outside of the repository. Okay. Um, so I think that's one bit. And then, you know, 
the primary findability metadata for is, you know, I know there's the minimum viable taxonomy art yeah. project and, um, it's it's interesting to think of if you're going to go context dependent, but um, for me, it's if I can route things to teams, yeah. they can sort with and it's and it's ranked. Yeah, they can sort with for, with what's in there um, oh. if given time. But I I don't have a magic recipe. Yeah, yeah. And how are you doing that ranking? Is it by you know by date or by um, certainty or? Yeah, certainty is an interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you have, I've toyed around with it and I continue to, to think about it, especially in a case where you have a very mixed method repository. Mm -hmm. But I, I think instead of certainty, it's sort of like flags of this is even better, but you still want the, the observation from one mm -hmm. person to be yeah. able to drive big things because we've seen enough cases where it's like massive, massive things have happened from one person. Yeah. So, it, you know, there's a lot of different strategies for ranking. Um, I think Eileen, you can align more with the business. And I've talked to folks um, around the industry who are using sort of business objectives to kind of do that. Um, in my case, because I was always working across a ton of teams and big organizations, I always just aligned primarily for the customer and um you know around frequency and um you know a variety of other factors and they weren't exact you know they were i think simple buckets and the rubric that you come up with you know it's a challenging thing but the truth of the matter is is if you come up with even something very basic you have to decide whether you're prioritizing towards like pain or opportunity or like business upside are the are two big buckets for me and then once you've decided one of those, you do something and you stack rank it. And it's amazing what floats to the top. It, you could add a bunch of other criteria, but like it clearly separates what isn't the top. And there's just a lot of value in that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Well, thank you <laughs> so much. I, I feel like I've learned a lot and it was very cathartic for me as a person <laughs> owning and building all of these products and insights repositories and libraries. So thank you. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I hope it. Uh, yeah, I just cannot wait to get to Rietzkampf and to hear mm -hmm. more and uh, just have that evidence in the community and, and out in the mm -hmm. profession. I think it's so important for us. Mm -hmm. uh, so thank you so much. And uh, we will see you in New York on okay, Wednesday, forward. the 8th of June. <laughs>Don't forget, you can find tickets to Reopsconf 2022 at reopsconf2022.joinlearners.com. It's on Wednesday, 8th of June, in person in New York City or online. You can see Holly, myself, most of the Research Ops board, our speakers, and of course, others in the community at the conference. We're so looking forward to seeing you all there. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you want to hear more, please subscribe or join us in the Research Ops community. If there's someone you'd like us to talk to, please let us know. We hope you'll join us next time at the Research Ops podcast, or we'll see you soon in the Slack.